Good morning. Uh, just maybe a few um, additions to the, the announcements that were made. Um, that Camp Corporation meeting, it is open uh, to, to everybody to attend. Um, one thing that takes place during that meeting is a report is given by each manager um, from the summer. And um, so you're able to hear what took place uh, at the various camps, even camps that perhaps our assembly wasn't completely involved in. Um, so it's a, it's a good opportunity to, um, to just come and hear and, and to be able to pray more effectively for what's going on. Uh, reports are also given of what's taking place uh, up the mountain as well and the needs that are up there. Um, also, I know that there's still a need um, very often for um, volunteers for the weekend um, to, to work in the kitchen and, and things like that. So if you'd be interested in, in volunteering up at camp, um, John um, was here. Um, I think he's, uh, he stepped out for a second, but uh, John Borbany and Kathy uh, were both here this morning and they would definitely appreciate um, the help up there. Also at the street fair, that, um, that time slot sign-in, um, the, as, as the years have gone on, there's, there's a general kind of routine that happens and when we get a lot of visitor or a lot of help during the middle of the day, um, but then towards the end of the day, that's when the help starts to drop off. Um, in the morning, we're able to pull right up to the spot and unload, but towards the afternoon, we're not able to drive in. So we have to haul the gear back to wherever the, the, the van and the trailer parked. Um, so it's, it's a little more difficult in the afternoon. So um, please, if, you, if you're thinking about coming and helping out, please consider coming later in the day. Um, I think we end right around 4, start breaking down around 4, 4.30. Um, so that, that would be a huge, huge help. And also, if you can't make it, please pray. Um, it's a tremendous opportunity. Um, we, we have a booth and hundreds and hundreds of people pass by that booth um, during that, that day, that morning. Um, kids are, are given suckers with verses on them and tracks are given out. Um, the, the rules this year have been a little more constrictive as far as what we're allowed to do, um, but uh, we know that the Lord um, is able to do um, exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to even think about. Um, so we, we just ask for you to pray if you're unable to be there. Um, last time I spoke, we were in the book of Jonah. Um, we left Jonah in a little bit of a predicament. Uh, we cast him overboard, and he's floating in the water right now. So uh, I'd like to continue, and, and by the will of the Lord, I'd like to continue in the book of, of Jonah. So you could turn there. We'll, we'll start with a review. We'll go over some things that we covered uh, last time in order to freshen up on this, this account and then we'll push forward. Uh, Jonah is a very interesting book. Um, it's a very short book, um, four chapters in length, only a handful of verses, but um, as I've been studying this and, and continuing to go over this book, um, I get that picture that, that Joe McHale uh, often paints of uh, you, you study the Word of God and, and you think you've got a grasp on it, and then you realize you've just been swimming in a harbor, and then you finally make it to the, the mouth of the harbor, and then you realize it's a lot bigger than what you thought. And then you realize that even that 
is a harbor, and, and it gets bigger and bigger and deeper and deeper. And although it's a fairly simple story, um, each verse is, is packed with tremendous amount of truth. And, and one thing that we often do in the book of Jonah is we focus on the miracle. We focus on the whale, and, and sometimes we'll even focus on Nineveh. Uh, but the true reason why this book is written is actually found in chapter 4, and it reveals to us the character of God, um, who God is, and his heart towards man, towards the, the saved and towards the unsaved. And, and so, Lord willing, we'll look at that this morning. Um, we'll, we'll begin in verse 1 just to go over um, the book. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it and um, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Um, we were introduced last time to Jonah um, without going uh, over everything that we covered before. Um, he was from, as we looked in 2 Kings, uh, from a town of called uh, Gath-Hefer up in uh, the Galilee area of, of Israel. Um, his, his time frame of being a prophet is, is roughly around um, Jeroboam II. Um, There's um, a lot going on during that time, and Assyria was the superpower at that time. It was the, the mega power, the, the, one, the, the one nation that everybody was afraid of. Um, Assyria was constantly attacking um, Israel and taking them captive. And as we talked about last time, Assyria was a very wicked place, um, very wicked. Um, the, the things described not only in the Bible but in, in secular history of the, the type of torture that they would inflict on um, their captives um, horrific, just absolutely horrific, and we won't go into detail. Um, but we have this man, Jonah. Um, we know that he's a prophet because it says so in the, in the book of Kings, uh, 2 Kings, and also we know in, in Matthew chapter 12, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ affirms that he is a prophet, and in fact says that um, no sign will be given to, um, given to these, these, these wicked and adulterous uh, nation except for the sign of Jonah, and that's the, the uh, being uh, in the belly of the whale for, or fish for three days, and, and he says, um, likewise, I will be in the, uh, um, underneath the earth for three days. Um, so we see that the Lord has, all, has affirmed that Jonah is a prophet as well as history. Um, and, and it's interesting, as I began to study more and more this, this chapter, um, Jonah, his actual name means dove. Um, as you guys all know, we do have a conference um, where we uh, attempt to um, suppress the dove population um, in, in helping the farmers, to help the farmers in, in the Yuma area. Um, this, is a, this is something that we do, and we also have a conference and, and study the word during that time. But this word dove, uh, it's interesting that the, the, Jonah's parents, his father Amittai and his mother would name him this. And um, in the book of Psalms, chapter 55, verse 6, we, we have a, um, an interesting um, verse. It says, Oh, that I had the wings of a dove, then would I fly away and be at rest. Um, interesting that that's Jonah's name. And this is what Jonah wanted to do. Um, he wanted to fly away and be at rest. Um, in, in Hosea, uh, chapter 7, verse 11, he refers to the doves as being silly. 
silly. And I think later, um, all, later along in this book, we'll see that Jonah um, kind of results to that. Um, he's, he's silly. He's, he's, he's um, childish. And then in chapter 11, verse 11 of Hosea, it, it talks about the dove being mournful. And, and we see that as well. And that's what we're going to be looking at, Lord willing, this morning. But we have Jonah, and, and, and God comes to him and says, Arise and go to this great city. Why was this city so great? Um, well, like we said, it's a superpower, um, a very um, fortified, well-fortified city. This is proven through archaeology um, even today. Um, the, the, there's guesstimates or um, just the archaeology uh, is, is showing that the, the, the wall could have been anywhere from 50 to 100 feet wide, um, 30 to 50 feet tall with 50-foot towers on top of the wall. Um, it could have been anywhere from... Uh, uh, eight miles across to 60 miles across. Um, just a massive, massive city. We don't know if that's the inner city and then the suburbs or, or what they're referring to there. Um, but just a very great city. And is, is, this, is, is this why God calls it great? I don't think so. I think he calls it great because of the spiritual potential that's in that city. Um, the potential to turn from their wicked ways. So Jonah is called to, arrive, to go and cry out to the city. And he's actually just told to go. He's not even given the message yet. Um, but it says Jonah arose to flee from the presence of the Lord or from the face of the Lord. Now we know that Jonah is not a, not a foolish prophet. He knows the scriptures perhaps better than we do. Um, we'll see that in chapter 2 this morning. Um, and we also know in chapter 4 that he's, he knows the character of God. So he's not just foolishly fleeing from the presence of God. Um, the actual physical presence of God, but as some, su some suggest, that he's fleeing from the felt presence of God, that presence that is, is on him, that leads him, that guides him day by day, and he's trying to get away from that, to break from that. Um, he doesn't want to go to Nineveh, and we'll look at why in a, in a few minutes. But he, he finds a ship, and then we see this downward spiral of Jonah, that he goes down to Joppa, he down into the ship, down into the bottom of the ship, and then he even lays down and falls fast asleep. And then as we ended last week, he gets thrown down into the water. And then this morning we'll look at how far he actually went down. Um, but he found a ship and he paid the fare. Oftentimes we, we pay a price. In fact, every time we pay a price when we attempt to flee from the presence of the Lord. And not only would Jonah pay the price, but others would pay the price. And it's that ripple effect that we have when we sin against God. Um, that, that stone that's cast into the pond, and that pond, that whole pond is now disrupted by those ripples. And our sin not only affects us, but it affects those around us, as we'll see. So Jonah's attempting to flee from the presence of the Lord. Um, in verse 4, it says, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Um, this, this word sent out, the Lord sent out, it, it's a picture of, a, of, of being hurled, something being hurled. And the, the idea here is, is of a javelin being thrown. Um, that's the picture. And when you're throwing a javelin, perhaps um, Andrew or you know, some of these uh, sports you know, track guys could explain that. But when you're throwing a javelin, the two things that you're worried about is power and accuracy. Um, especially when it comes to war. Um, and and this, is, this is the, the idea here that God sent this, 
storm and there were, with power and accuracy towards that ship that Jonah was on. And the tempest was mighty, and the ship, and we have this idea that the ship was about to be broken up. It was just too much. And then the mariners were afraid. These, these professional sailors were afraid. And every man cried out to his God and threw cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship and laid down and was fast asleep. These, these professional mariners, these, these men who were seasoned sailors, were afraid. And now they were throwing cargo overboard. Um, the very means of their livelihood. I mean, this is the reason why they're going to, um, uh, to, to Tarshish. Or, and so they're, they're throwing this out. They, it's to the point now where it's, it's save yourselves. So, um, and where do we find Jonah? We find Jonah fast asleep in the, in the bottom of the ship. And, and we made comments last time of the fact that um, just because circumstances line up and, and things work out, and the doors seem to be opening to you, um, the doors of circumstance, doesn't necessarily mean you're in the will of God. Um, we have Jonah having the funds to pay for this ship. Not only that, we, it just so happens he goes down and he finds a ship. Um, and now he's able to even sleep. Um, he, he's restful. Um, so just because we have these things does not necessarily mean we're in the will of the Lord, um, as we'll see that Jonah was in complete disobedience to the word of the Lord. And that's where, that's where we find the will of God in the word. Um, so the captain came to him and said, Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Interesting that the first prayer meeting on this ship is to false gods. These were pagan sailors, um, good luck charms, and, and everybody was to cry out to your God. Um, sake of time, we won't be able to look at it, but um, in Ezekiel, we have um, a picture of what this ship um, looked like. And uh, this ship um, would have been um, very big, very large. I've always pictured it as being a tiny little rowboat, but it would have been massive. Um, and, and it's interesting that the, the detail in this ship, um, the sails, the oars made of oak, um, something, a wood that's very strong. Um, and there's, there's, depending on the, uh, the commentator, um, anywhere from two to 300 crew crewmen or sailors would have been on this boat. Um, so many gods, many men in fear, and they find this man sleeping in the bottom of the boat, and they ask him to pray to his God. Little did they know that that was the, the, the answer to their problems was this man, and he had access to the God of heaven, the very God that created that sea and that storm. And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Now the spotlight, and, and every, everybody knows why this storm has come, and, and it's because of him. Um, then they said to him, please tell us for whose cause um, is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you uh, come from? What is your country and of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew. And I fear the Lord God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the, man knew that he fled, for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Then, he said to them. then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. So now that the lot has fallen on Jonah, they know that it's his fault. Um, they, they found the, the mole, as it were. And now they begin to question him. 
and they ask him seven questions. Um, interesting that he doesn't answer all the questions. Um, he answers the ones that are physical, the ones that he can't answer. He said, they ask him, what's his occupation? Um, um, why has this trouble come upon us? Where do you come from? What country um, are you from? And of what people are you? And he answers those. Those are easy questions. I'm a Hebrew, um, and I fear the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. The sea, the very problem that we're in, um, and, and the dry land, the very solution to that problem, what everybody wants to get to. Um, but the men were exceedingly afraid. And look at this question, this, this heart-wrenching, stabbing question that they ask him. Why have you done this? Why? Why? See, the world looks at us, and, and they see us. And, and we, 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 we tell them, and we give them the gospel, and we tell them the good news. And we tell them, this is how you're supposed to live. And then they're looking and they're watching every step that we make. And then they ask this question, why have you done this? Um, very pointed, very powerful. Um, for the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he told them. Uh, Jonah, Jonah confessed. He knew that he had been made. Um, it, it's out. And, I, and I'm running from the living God, the very God that created all these things. Um, so they, they asked him, okay, well, what, what do we do? What's the, what's the solution to this problem? And interesting that he says is, he says in verse um, 12, he says, and he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea that the sea may be calm for you. Now, if Jonah is the, the reason for this problem, why didn't he just jump, over the bo jump overboard? Why does he tell them that they have to pick him up and they have to throw him over? Well, we see in, in, in the Old Testament, there's a sacrifice that is made, and it's a picture. And it's the one of the scapegoat. Um, and the scapegoat is, is um, this goat that is selected and that is carried off into the, to the wilderness and, and let go. But something interesting happens before that scapegoat is let go. And the hand of the high priest is put on that goat. And it's as if all the sin of the people on that day of atonement are being transferred and that, that, that goat is being let, let off into the wilderness. Um, the same thing happens during burnt sacrifices, that the hand is laid on. Well, why does the hand have to be laid on? Um, the Lord Jesus answers this question, and he says, unless I be lifted up, I be lifted up. And, and, and he tells Nicodemus, even as the serpent um, was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up or picked up. And the, that sin being transferred, not that that goat did anything or that animal did anything, um, but that one person, the Lord Jesus Christ, paying the penalty for the, for the sins of the world. And so we see this in, in picture here, um, and he's cast off, and he says, this, this, um, this storm has come on because of me. Um, we know that, that the Lord Jesus Christ was perfect. He never did anything wrong. Um, and that he took on the sins of the world on his shoulders. He took the judgment that was due to us, and he died on the cross. So we have this interesting thing that happens right after. He says, nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. It's interesting that this happens right after. He, he gives them the truth. He tells them, this is what you have to do. And what do they do? They just try to row their way out of this. They try to work their way out of this storm. And it's interesting. It says, but they could not. And, and oftentimes we 
think that we can just work our way to heaven, that we can just roll our way out of this storm, that, that we believe that heaven is real, we believe hell is real, we believe judgment is real, but we, we believe that we can work our way and get out of it. Let me ask you something. If you can earn your way to heaven, what is Jesus doing on the cross? Why did he have to die? If you can earn your way to heaven, why is he hanging on that tree? He's hanging on that cross for you and for me. And you can't earn your way to heaven. Okay? The Bible says, For by grace we have been saved through faith, not of works. The Bible calls our works, our good things that we do, it calls them filthy rags. Now, I always thought that that was just a filthy dish rag, which is very disgusting. A lot of bacteria, a lot of germs. But that actual word means soiled undergarments. That's what our good works look like to God outside of Christ. Those are our good things that we do. They look like filthy rags to God. You can't earn your way to heaven. These men could not row their way out of this storm. So they finally come to that realization. And I pray that every single person in this room comes to that realization that they can't do it on their own. And what do they do? They, they pray this time. They don't pray to their false god. They don't pray to that, that, that image, that idol that's on the boat. Who do they pray to? In verse 14, Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. They repented. They repented. We heard a message about repentance last week. What is repentance? It doesn't mean that you work harder. I got I to gotta quit smoking. Or I got to quit, you know, saying foul language or whatever. That's not repentance. Repentance is a change of mind. It's turning to God from your sin. And that's what these men did. They knew that those false gods, those wooden images, perhaps even gold images that they had on that boat, couldn't get them out of this. And they realized that this man knew the God of heaven, and that was the answer. So what do they do? They listened. They obeyed. And then what happens? Blessing comes from that. They had faith. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging immediately. Any of us that have been on a boat know that if a storm comes, and as the storm goes, the sea is still choppy for sometimes days, just due to the, the aftermath of the storm. As soon as Jonah, that we had this picture, is that as soon as Jonah hits the water, the seas go flat. It's proof, it's evidence that this was a, a miracle. This was a, a storm sent by God, a supernatural storm. And the men feared the Lord exceedingly. They saw this work. They were astonished at it. They said that that man who said, I fear the God of, of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then they saw the evidence of it. And it says, then they offered a sacrifice. See, oftentimes when we're in sticky situations, we make vows. And, and we make promises. And Lord, if you get me out of this, I will, I will go wherever you want me to go. But we see true repentance from these men. Why? Because after they're out of that storm, that's when they make the sacrifice that picture of Christ dying on the cross for their sin. And that's when they make a vow. They don't make the promise in the storm, they make it after the storm. So we see that these men cared more about one man 
than that man that was thrown in the water, Jonah, cared about a whole city. They didn't want this man to perish. They, had, they, they, they didn't want the, the wrath of God to come upon them. So then we have Jonah, and Jonah's in the water. And the, 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 fir, the last verse of chapter 1, and this is where we'll begin, the last uh, verse of chapter 1, actually, we, we know that the, the Bible is the inspired, breathed, absolute word of God. But the, the chapter and verse divisions, those were created by man, so there's not, they're not perfect. Um, it, it actually fits more in chapter 2. But it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. And like we said earlier, that the Lord says that this was a sign to, to everyone of, of how um, Christ would die. In fact, let's just turn there real quick. Uh, Matthew 12, verse 39. Look real quickly so I don't misquote it. Matthew 12, 39. But he answered and said to them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. You know, that's, what, that's what everybody wants. Show me. I need to see it. I need evidence. I need, I need to see it with my eyes. Then I'll believe. He said, And no sign will be given to, uh, to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up in judgment with this generation and condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and indeed, a greater than Jonah is here. So we see that, that God had prepared this fish, that not only was um, it a sign, but, but it was God sent, and it was a miracle. Okay, It's not happenstance or circumstances that Jonah was cast into the boat and all of a sudden there's this fish that just happened to be there at the right time to swallow Jonah. Um, God sent it. God prepared. And so we see, even early on, we see God using a storm to direct Jonah back into the will of the Lord. And we see this great fish that he uses to bring Jonah um, back to, to the Lord. And then we have this prayer. It says, Then Jonah prayed. Jonah didn't pray when he rose to flee from Nineveh. He didn't pray. He didn't ask if this was the will of the Lord. He just got up and went. He didn't pray when he found a ship and, and asked, you know, Lord, is this, is this your will? He just got in. And he actually didn't even pray when he was about to be thrown overboard. We don't see him praying until he hits the water and he's in trouble. But notice that after he's in the belly of this fish, this is a prayer of praise and thanksgiving um, to the Lord. And we see Jonah's heart changing towards, towards uh, the Lord. Um, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Um, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. And out of the belly of Sheol I cried. And you heard my voice, for you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the, the flood surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The water surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds wrapped around my head. I went down to the mor uh, moorings, or, or moorings or the foundations of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. 
Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Um, we'll stop there. We see this beautiful prayer that Jonah prays. Um, another evidence that, that Jonah knew the word of God. Um, I have, um, I, I actually reached out to, to Keith um, Kaiser. Um, he had, he had, um, had this message that he had given, and he has a brother or a friend that went through and line by line on this prayer and wrote down every reference of, us, of the Psalms that were in this prayer. And in this prayer, we see psalm, Psalms of David and Psalms of Korah and Psalms of Asaph. And they're beautifully intertwined with each other. And, and they are exactly um, what Jonah was going through at that time. Um, he turned to the word of God while he was in the fish's belly. Um, you know, we think of, of what it, the circumstances that might have been like in the fish's belly. Um, very tight, very claustrophobic. Um, he wasn't walking around. Um, this wasn't, uh, you know, these big whales that we see in, in the cartoons and stuff. This would have been very tight, and, and, and I'm no biology expert by any means, but uh, I'm told that when you eat, your stomach expands um, to, to accept all this food, but then after you're done eating, it contracts over the food, and then it begins to secrete this acid um, from the, the stomach lining of your, of your stomach, and that acid is used to break down and help digest the food. Um, so just imagine this, this situation that Jonah's in. Um, very tight, very uncomfortable, and God preserved him through that. Um, and what does he have? What is the only thing that he has during that time? He has prayer, and he has the word that he has memorized. Thy word have I hid in my heart. Um, Mark gave a message not too long ago about uh, Proverbs, and, and in Proverbs chapter 3 about binding the truth around your neck, um, always having it, remembering it. And, uh, you know, we, we think if, you know, perhaps nowadays we have it everywhere. We have it in a Bible, on our phones, on the Internet. We, we have Scripture everywhere, and it's, it's a blessing. It's an absolute blessing. But what if all that was taken away from us? What if, like, young Allison, all of a sudden our sight was gone? And, and our hearing was gone. And all we had was what we have already memorized. Where, where would we be? Um, but Jonah, we see Jonah um, and, and this beautiful prayer, praise. Um, it, and prayer, we see in the life of Jonah, should have been his first response, not his last resort. Um, it should have been where he went first when he was going to make that decision, but it's not. It's where he went last. But line by line, and I'll, I'll, just, I'll, I'll read a few of these. Um, in, in, in Jonah 2, uh, the first part of Jonah uh, 2, verse 2, it's, it's, he's quoting Psalms 3, and four, uh, 3, verse 4, and Psalm 120, verse 1. The second half of that verse, he's quoting Psalm 18, verse 4 and 5, Psalms 30, verse 3. In, in the last part of, first part of verse 3, he's quoting Psalms 86, verse 6. Second part of that verse, he's quoting Psalms uh, 42 and verse 7. Um, verse 4, He's quoting Psalms 31, verse 22. Um, the last part of verse 4, he's quoting Psalm 5 and 7. And, and, and the list goes on and on. 
on every line, line by line. Beautiful, beautiful psalm. And, and this is his heart. He says, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. God is faithful even when we are faithless. Even when we mess up, God is faithful. Um, and here we see God of the second chance. He says, out of the belly of Sheol or out of the belly of death, because that's what it felt like. I mean, he felt like yeah, this was it. I'm done. Um, you know, Jonah didn't know in three days he was going to get vomited up. He just thought, this is it. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. And interesting, in verse 3, he says, for you cast me into the deep. Now, who cast him into the deep? We, the sailors picked him up and threw him in. But he knew, he understood that the situation he was in was sent to him by the Lord. Um, and, and oftentimes we got to think about the circumstances that we're in. And uh, were they self-initiated? Are we messing up? Did we, are we running from the face of the Lord? Um, and is the Lord using this circumstance to bring us back to him? Um, we can't paint every bad situation with one brush. Um, we see in the life of the Apostle Paul that he had a, a, a rough ministry, and he lists it. Um, and those things were sent by God um, to test them, to teach them. And so we need to, uh, to learn and to understand those circumstances that we're in and, and, and see what the Lord is trying to do in those circumstances. And he says, for you cast me into the, the, the deep, into the heart of the seas. The floods have surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Psalms 42, 7. And this we know is a messianic psalm. It's a picture of, of Christ and the judgment that was poured out on him, not because of what he did, but because of what we did. But Jonah is in an opposite situation. It's, it's because of what he did that he's in this situation. Um, the waters have, um, sorry, in verse 4, then I have been cast out of your sight. Um, and how lonely it is to be outside the will of God and to be wandering on your own. Um, outside of the fellowship, not relationship. Once you become a child of God, the Bible, God says in his word, I will never leave you nor forsake you, and no one is able to pluck you out of my hand. But just like when we disobey our parents, we're not in complete fellowship with them, it's lonely, and it feels as if we're by ourselves. And he says, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again to your holy temple. And, and time won't allow us to go here, but in, in uh, 2 Chronicles 6 and 1 Kings 8, we have the dedication of the temple. And what, is, what does Solomon say? He says, if these people sin, he, he was, he was um, requesting this of God. If these people sin against you, and if they turn, you know what, let's just turn there real quickly. I'm sorry. 2 Chronicles 6. That the, at the, uh, the, found, or the, 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 the day that they um, dedicated this temple, um, chapter 6, and, and we'll, we'll start in verse 36. Um, again, Solomon asking this of the Lord. When they sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you become angry with them and deliver them to the enemy, and they take them captive to a land far or near. Yet when they come to themselves in the land where they were captive and repent and make supplication to you in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, 
We have done wrong and we have committed wickedness. And when they return to you with all their heart and with all their soul in the land of their captivity, where they have been carried captive and prayed towards their land, which you gave to their fathers, the city which you have chosen, and toward the temple which I have built for your name, then hear from heaven. Now, there's no, this, was a, this was a beautiful temple built by Solomon, and God chose to dwell there, but that's for a time. But that's not where God is. He says, when they turn and they pray towards this temple, hear from where? From heaven, the God of heaven. Um, uh, pray towards their land. Um, your dwelling, uh, then hear from heaven your dwelling place and pray and their supplications and maintain their cause and forgive your people who have sinned against you. So this is what Jonah is referring to in this prayer, that he's praying towards the temple of, of God and that what, what, what takes place when that, when that happens, he says he was heard. He was heard. The waters, uh, back in Jonah chapter five or chapter 2, verse 5, the waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed about me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Um, dire situation. I went down to the foundations of the mountains, the lowest place on earth, the lowest of the low. I went down to the foundations of the mountains, the earth with its, with its bars closed behind me forever, yet you have brought up my life from the pit. That repentance that took place in Jonah's heart, that turning to God from his sin, he says, you have brought me up for the pit. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. And notice that it wasn't the temple made with hands, that temple that's in heaven. And we have an interesting verse in verse 8. He says, those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. Now, a lot of people think that he's referring back to back on the ship and those, those pagan uh, sailors who are worshiping these images made by hands. I mean, you're, you're praying to a God that you physically built. So a lot of people think that that's what he's referring to. But other, other um, translations refer to this word. Instead of, it says, those who regard lying vanities. Well, what's an idol? An idol is anything that we place in front of God. It could be an object. It could be a, a person. Okay? I have to go through this object to get to God. Or I have to go through this person to get to God. Worthless. Vanity. What, what's, the, what's the vanity, what's the lying um, vanity in, in Jonah's situation? Because up until this point, he's referring to himself. And why would he go back and talk about something that happened on the ship? Well, what's the lying vanity? It, it's Jonah putting his decision in front of God's decision. The decision to flee and to go and to escape from the will of the Lord and to take this trip um, on the other side of the world from where he was supposed to be. And it says, the, the next word it says, forsake their own mercy. Um, there's several translations that render this differently. Um, in the, the RSV, the Revised, it says, forsake their true loyalty. In uh, the New Living Translation, it says, turn their backs on God's mercy. Forfeit the grace that could be theirs, in the NIV. 
or forsake faithfulness in the New American Standard or walk away from their only true love. This is what we do when we decide to run from God. When we decide to put our will in front of his will, we forsake that mercy. We forsake that love. And, and we decide, I'm going to do what I want to do. It's my life. Jonah says, that's a lying vanity. You were created. And you were redeemed. You were bought back. Verse 9, he says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay what I have vowed. I will pay what I have vowed. Some suggest that this is perhaps the vow of him being a prophet, of, of doing the will of the Lord. And, he, and, and it's, it's a time to go back and, and to do what he set out to do. I will repay what I have vowed. And, and this is the, the verse I'd like to close with, the, the, the last half of verse 9. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is of the Lord. This is the theme of the entire Bible. From Genesis to Revelation, we see that salvation is of the Lord. God made that promise in the garden to, 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 to all those that were present, to Eve, to Adam, to that snake, that there will be one from her seed that will rise up and that they will crush and will save the people from their sins. We see that in, when, when he's born. That's his name. And we see it all the way to the end of the book in Revelations. We see that one who's riding that horse and what's written on that horse is the one that's faithful and true. Every word that flowed from his mouth was true. And when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. He can't be a good prophet, he can't be faithful, and he can't be true if that's not true. If there's another way to heaven, then Jesus is a liar. But he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the perfect prophet, he is the perfect priest, and he is the perfect king. What is Jesus doing on that cross? He's dying for you. He's shedding his blood for you. Jonah has a message to give to this people. The message is, judgment's coming. You have 40 days, and, and this, this town will be destroyed in 40 days. The Bible has the same message. Judgment is coming. Hell is real. And Jesus paid that penalty for you. An eternity of an eternities in hell he paid on that cross. That judgment was poured out by God. He was punished in your place for your sins so that you might go to heaven. And what does the Bible say? It says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you and praise you for that Holy One who knew no sin, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that One who is altogether lovely, that One who left heaven, came down as a man, lived a perfect life, and that was crucified on a cross, dying in my place 
and in the place of the whole world. He paid for all sin. And Father, we are so thankful that by faith we can be saved. Father, I just lift up each and every person in this room. I pray that no one will go out of this place without knowing for sure where they will be when they die. Father, we know that heaven is real, and we know because your word says so that hell is real and that it lasts for eternity. No end, no relief of pain. And Father, we are thankful that you are the perfect judge that you took care of our sin on the cross, that you are the justifier, and we can be declared righteous because of what your son did for us. Father, I thank you for this book of Jonah, and Father, I just pray that we would take this message to the world. Father, that we wouldn't be reluctant prophets, but Father, that we would go out and preach and share this good news the good news that God loves the world and sent his son to die for it. Father, I just lift up uh, this day and the remaining activities, and we pray all this in your son's worthy and precious name. Amen.